Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. And we are in this message series. We've been in it for the past several weeks looking at how to how eternity really shapes our perspective in the in the different areas of our life. And so we've been looking at what the scripture has to say about eternity, heaven, hell, and and really evaluating life in light of eternal things. And so we're really glad that you're here. Today we're going to consider what does eternity have to do with our money? How, how does eternity affect your and my view on money? And so, I want you to imagine for a moment, uh, maybe you might think this is an unlikely, unrealistic scenario, but I want you to imagine this type of scenario happening to you. Imagine this, okay? Receiving a phone call and tomorrow, and you find out that you have an inheritance coming from a relative that you didn't even know about, but they knew about you. And you're notified by a lawyer that you're going to inherit half a million dollars. So what are, what are the emotions going through your mind at that point? You know, what, what are the thoughts? Uh, yeah, you go. You got some... Th- oh, what'd you say? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> he said, yay! <laughs> okay, uh, you know, there's different emotions. Yeah, you're, you, now some people, you, you know, you had a plan for the week. Maybe your plans change. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know you plan to go to work. Maybe you don't plan to go to work anymore. I mean, who knows? Maybe you plan. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go do a different thing now. I, I'm done with this job. I'm going to go go into this area. It's pretty unbelievable, though. You know this this scenario. It could it could happen, but it's pretty unbelievable. Here here's maybe a more believable uh, scenario. Maybe you win the grand prize in the Monopoly game at Albertsons. Okay. <laughs> Some of you, you know, you're like, I I, I might. I'm one. I'm one of those little stickers away, you know. And uh, we went shopping to the grocery store yesterday, and it's the Monopoly time. So, so the, my kids, they cut out all the little things, and, and we tore the things. And then one of my kids, he's, he glued all the things on the Monopoly board. And he's like, Dad, we're one, we're one sticker away from $5,000 towards electronics, and we're $20,000 away from this prize over here. Well, imagine, you know, you, you find the winning sticker at Albertsons or Ralph's or wherever, and, and, you know, how would that affect your emotions? How would that affect just your life? Well, what would that do to you? You're thinking, well, it's, still, it's pretty unbelievable. It's not, you know, not going to happen, Josh. Okay, well then, what about this? Imagine you're watching Shark Tank, okay? This show, the reality show. And you're watching Shark Tank. I know some of you are probably Shark Tank fans. And, and this is a reality show where where people present their inventions and ideas to a group of investors who have the money to back these ideas and in, to choose to invest or not invest in, in these ideas that people come up with. And sometimes the ideas, you know, you know, make millions of dollars for these folks. You know, what, what would that do if, if you're sitting there watching Shark Tank and then all of a sudden an idea pops in your mind and you're like, I've got it. I've got it. I'm not going to tell him, but I've got it. And you start thinking through, and you know, let, let's say you go the, the distance, and, and someone actually buys that. How would that, how would that kind of money impact your life? Or, or maybe that's still too unbelievable. Here's here's another scenario. What about this? Your child becomes rich and famous, <laughs> you know, and he's like, he's he's a entertainer, an inventor, and just he or she, and, and they say to you, in this distinguished voice, mother, father. I want you to get the first half million dollars 
because you raised me and I and I and you cared for me when I was young and and okay still probably unbelievable but in reality money money can flow into your life in any number of ways you know this I mean money flows into our lives all sorts of ways money comes in your life through your job you get you get a paycheck you might be thinking yeah but it's it's you know, it's this amount, and well, money's flowing into your life. You're being entrusted with some resources right now. You, you might get a bonus. You might get a raise this year. So money's flowing into your life. Or maybe you have some investments. Maybe you're putting money into the stock market. Maybe a little, or maybe a lot. Maybe you're storing away for retirement. Or maybe you, you own a house, and you know, money's coming into your life because your house appreciates. And maybe there's savings, and your, your savings is, is starting to really build and skyrocket and compound, and money's flowing into your life. There's all of these different ways that money flows into our lives. Today what I want to do is I want to wrestle with a handful of issues. Number one, how do you... Respond when money flows in. How do you respond? What's the emotions? What's the action steps? What's the thought process? How do you respond when money flows in? Number two, what problems are you looking for money to solve in your life? If we just had, you know, this. I just got the phone call that I did win something, or that if I just got the sticker that, that solves it, what problems do you think that would really solve in your life? What are you hoping it would solve? Or another question, is money causing you to lose sleep at all? Do you go to bed thinking about money? Do you wake, do you dream about money? You wake up, maybe it's the first thing on your mind, like, man, I don't have any money. Where are we going to get the money to pay for this, to do this, to handle this? Maybe there's a situation in your life that is very real and it's a crisis or it's a tragedy and, and you're just not sure how you're going to deal with that. How are you going to pay for that? What does money, another thing, what does money indicate about our spiritual health? That's a question I, I really want us to wrestle with. What does our money say about, just like, you know, it's a spiritual thermometer in a way. It tells us something about us. And, and God actually has a lot to say about this issue of money. In fact, you know, He said more about money than He did about heaven and hell combined. He spoke more about money. Half of the parables that he, that he shared have this stewardship or financial or possessions theme to them. And so this, this comes up an awful lot. comes up more than prayer. There's about 500 verses on prayer. There's about 2,000 verses on money. And so for some reason, this whole issue of money is, is a key area where God interacts with us. And so I want to pray and then, and then let's launch into this. So let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this time. God, as we've worshipped, it's been, it's been good already to just sing praises to you and, and gather. And now we ask, God, that you, through your word, would really speak to us. Help us get a, fir- a firm grip and a clear perspective on money. Help us to line up our lives, our thinking, with what you say is true about money. Would you help us now? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in this, in this series so far, we've been looking at how does eternity affect you know, people? Well, we, we talked about in week one that people live forever. We, we kind of unpacked that idea that people, all of us, will live on forever in one of two places, heaven or hell. Week two, we looked at relationships and we talked about how it tempt, it's really tempting to try to squeeze out of people uh, meaning or squeeze things out of people in hopes to meet our needs when God says, look, I want you to come to me with, my, with your needs. Let me... Let me provide. Let, lean on me. Don't lean on people to meet our needs. Lean on me. 
third week we looked at our decisions and just how our decisions in life impact us. And what does eternity say about how we should decide things? And last week we talked about our mission in life and how God has some things He wants us to join in with Him that really add meaning and value. Today, when we look at money, our, our aim is still the same. Our aim is this. Really, two questions we've been ultimately wrestling with, or two statements. One is this, that this life here is not the final destination. This life on earth is not the final destination. And that this life is really preparation for forever. It's, it's preparation for eternity. The fact that you and I will live on in, in, in some place. One of two places. Heaven or hell, the Bible says. Mo- money and forever are really connected. These issues are connected. And if this life is preparation for forever, then we view money one way. We see money one way. If, if we think this life is really preparation. However, if, if this life is all that there really is, if that's your thought, that this life is all there is, then you'll view money a totally different way. You'll have a certain view. And in the Bible, here's what we find. I would invite you to take out this listening guide. And we're going to walk through this passage from Luke chapter 12. It says this, the top of your listening guide says, Without forever in view, then money becomes our ultimate security. If we take eternity out of the picture, we take heaven out of the picture, then money becomes a shelter. It becomes our ultimate hope and security. This is what people chase after. When Jesus walked on the earth, when He was doing His ministry, He spent the majority of His time walking from town to town, teaching people, teaching crowds of people, healing people, caring for people, even training a small group of people. And he knew as he interacted with people all about people's hearts. He knew the struggles they faced. He knew what they really cared about. And on many times in the Bible, Jesus would start challenging people to view money and possessions differently than the culture. And he would just start getting to the heart of this issue of money. And just like today, he, he encountered people who put their ultimate hope and security in in dollars. And in a a moment, I want to read this story from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus really began to challenge this issue of security and shelter. Do do we really think that money can save us? But before I do, I I want you to think about some of the things that if Jesus were to walk in our city, into our town, there's some things He would see. There's some common views of money that He would see. The first one I think He'd see is this. It's a pack-it-all-in mentality. Try to pack it all in. It's the idea that I have to buy more and more and more stuff to make me feel better. And I want to experience and possess and accomplish all I can right here and right now. And we, So we try to squeeze it in. And I think Jesus would see this. He would see people trying to live for the moment because some think this is all we have. And the problem is we're never really satisfied. And this, this type of living, this pack it all in mentality, leaves us disappointed. In the passage we're going to look at, you start seeing this come out. Because this was an issue in his day, just as it is in our day. Another common view of money is this. It's more money equals more power. This showed up in Jesus' day and age as well. More money, more power. We, we see this in our culture. We look around at other people and we see what they have and what we have. And it just seems like the people who have the most money seem to be coming out on top. And so it just seems like, man, it's true. More money, more power. And it's, it's hard not to, to think that. And we can buy the lie that the more money you have, the more your influence in life grows. The problem is, it creates an obsession. We start obsessing over gaining more and more and acquiring more and more. And we start living our lives chasing after the next dollar. And the pursuit of money, Scripture says, is dangerous. It can actually, the love of money 
It actually can dominate our lives. It has the power to do that. It can get a grip on us. It can have a tight grip on us, the desire for more. Another common view is this. It's the security and shelter mentality. That money is, is really the... It can, if, I, if I save up enough... You know, we often live in fear of the future, and so we see money as a, somewhat of a force field or a shelter that protects us. And planning for the future is really wise. The scripture talks about wise planning and wise stewardship and storing up for the future, so it's important to do that. It's wise. But you and I, we can't possibly plan for every possible scenario. There's no way you can do that. I know many people in history and in just in life that, I, that I've met who had a plan financially. And they were storing up, they are working their plan, and they had, this, they had this idea, and then something happened. There's a sickness that came. That the money that they had planned now has to be redirected, and there's still not enough to cover. And so the whole plan for retirement, the whole shelter, it's, it's gone. Someone passes away unexpectedly. Costs. Maybe their, their income's gone, and maybe there wasn't. A, and so maybe that wasn't part of the plan, and so now just the whole scenario. The problem is with the shelter mentality is we're never really secure enough because we can't tell the future. So this can be very hopeless, trying to create every scenario and every contingency plan. Well, what if this happens? Well, let's store up this way. Well, what if it, well let's store this. Well, we can never pinpoint all that's going to happen in our lives. So think about the common, those common views that Jesus saw in His day and He would certainly see if He walked through our town. Think about which ones do you battle most with? So with these in mind, let's look at this passage. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Okay, Jesus, He's in the middle of teaching a large crowd, thousands of people are, are around Him, and then in the middle of, of teaching, He's somewhat interrupted. Okay? Someone in the crowd says to Him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Okay? It's an inheritance issue. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a part of inheritance issues, but they can be messy. Maybe you've heard about inheritance issues where it gets messy, where people are squabbling or fighting, and, and division comes in a family over who gets what. And inheritance issues often reveal or they can be indicative of the heart. And so this guy is apparently... You know, with his brother, and they see Jesus, and they, they, you know, one brother says, look, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. He, he wants Jesus' help. He wants to kind of see if he can twist his brother's arm by using Jesus, the teacher. You know, he calls him like a rabbi. You're a teacher, right? You've got authority. And then verse 14, but he, speaking of Jesus, but he said to him, Jesus says, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? You know, who's put me in charge of mediating and being the one to settle this whole issue? Verse 15, And then Jesus said to them, Now it's like He's speaking to the larger crowd, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He's making a, a deeper... He's making a point. This is, this is revealing... This scenario is revealing a much deeper issue. Then he tells him a parable. Then he told him his parable saying this, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. The guy's already rich. Okay, In the story Jesus is telling, there's a guy who's already rich, and then he gets richer. His land produces plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, 
He's got a great idea. I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you've ample good laid, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink. Be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So he's saying, look, this guy, that night, this is his last night. So, verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. First off, there's this boldness of this guy in the crowd. Teacher, put my brother in line. Straighten this, train my brother out. We don't know anything about how much the inheritance was. was. We don't know if the brother was cheating him and that's why he's trying to get this solved. All we know is that this man has a problem and he wants Jesus to solve it. Maybe his mentality was the shelter security mentality. But Jesus, on the other hand, he took what the man said and he knew what was in his heart. He knew what was going on. This was a heart issue for the man. Jesus then launches into this parable. And in the parable, you know, he's got this scenario where there's a person in this, he says, in, in this story, there's a person who had so much that he'd really run out of room. So with the increase, he didn't have anywhere else to put it. And so, he had so much that he decides, I need to build bigger barns, and then all his stuff would be safe. You know, there, there's obviously more options for when money flows into our lives, right? Think about a rich man who's, he's already got a lot. That, the implication here is he's already got, he's already declared a rich man. He's a certain level of status, okay? He's got way more than he needs. He's got a barn full, in fact. Okay, that tells us some things about this. And so, but then Jesus says, His land produced so much more. So, think of the options that are available to Him. He, he could, you know, uh, and this is a parable, so I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but think of the, the options. He could have built a, a, a barn for some other person and said, hey, your barn's, you don't even have a barn, you've got a doghouse. I'm going to build this guy a barn and I'm going to begin directing over here. You, you've got this over, you know. I can start doing this. No, what he does is he builds a bigger barn. This is the epitome of the pack it all in mentality. I've got to pack it all in. This man didn't consider giving it, you know, he, he didn't give away anything here. He starts hoarding and building bigger, right? That's the, that's the scenario. And then Jesus closes out the story showing the foolishness of this strategy because when he died that night, and he didn't know it was coming, but when he died that night, his goods would do nothing for him. This is a tragic parable. Jesus, in this parable, he's getting to the heart of this brother. He's getting to the heart of the brother's issue, and he's revealing something much deeper, an issue of greed, of hoarding. And he's wanting to just highlight how security and money leads to thinking that this is all that really matters in life. Is that I've got to protect, I've got to pack it in, I've got to secure, I've got to, I've got to guard it. Thankfully, Jesus shows us another way. He shows us another way. In the passage that I read, there's two main points that I really want to draw out. The first one is this. You see it in your listening guide. The first one is, our life is not measured by our money or our possessions. That's not the measure of a man or a woman. Your money and your possessions. Look back at verse 15. Jesus said to them, Take care. I'm sorry. And He said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus provides a challenge here and an encouragement. He's saying, Look, you are more than money. Your value 
is not tied to your bank account. And this is true of all of us here. Your value is not tied to your net worth. You might be thinking, man, I only have $50 to my name. You might have $5,000. You might have $500,000 or more. Your value is not tied to that money. Jesus is saying, this is not what life consists of here. This isn't what, what's most important, the abundance of our possessions. And so, you and I, we have to guard against wanting what others have and measuring ourselves by what others have around us. That's the first thing. But then at the end of the parable, we find out how to do this, by, by doing this, by being rich. This is the second thing. Being rich toward God brings security now and on into eternity. If you're rich towards God. What does it mean to be rich towards God? I want to look at that. I want to take a look at this phrase. These are interesting words that I want to spend the rest of the message talking about that. Look though at verse Luke 12, verses 20-21. through 21. But God said to him, again, this is in the story, God said to the man who built bigger barns, Fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I want to look at this. What does it mean to become rich towards God? How do I become rich towards God rather than just becoming rich financially? What does it mean? Jesus is saying, look, this is more important. And here's how you do it. It's through true riches. Understanding what true riches are is how you become rich. True riches come to those who invest resources in God's eternal kingdom. That's where the true riches are. That's where richness in God is. When you invest, you know, when you steward towards things that have eternal, lasting significance. Jesus, He spoke earlier on this in His ministry. Look at Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. This is a passage that, it's a familiar passage on money. He says this, Jesus says in a different place, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. This is, this is really, uh, you know, we could probably go back to this constantly. Every day we could probably remind ourselves of, of this, these verses right here we're going to look at. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This is a disappointing investment of resources, Jesus is saying. When we lay up treasures on earth, when we store up treasures on earth and we start hoarding or when we just start leaning on those treasures as security... There's some disappointment coming because earthly treasures do not last. They will break. They will rust. They will get stolen. They will depreciate. They will flood. They will burn. And on and on. They'll get eaten by moths. Have you ever literally had moths eat your clothes? I mean, I have. I'm sure others have. I should, you know, you're like, man, get get rid of those uh, insect problems in your house, (laughs) you know. Well, our, our stuff breaks down. Our stuff decays. Earthly treasures don't last. So Jesus says, don't, don't, don't store up just on earth. Don't store up on earth. Look at verse 20. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart follows our treasure. Wherever we put dollars on earth, resources, possessions on earth, our heart just, just, it just follows behind it. Prove it. Well, you know, 
have $50,000 in the stock market. Your heart follows that. You're watching the market, aren't you? It goes up. You're, ah, yeah, yeah. goes down. <laughs> you know, put, put, think about your retirement. Your heart follows your treasure. If, if you're storing up in your retirement and the market turns and you didn't anticipate it, your heart, it, it follows. Doesn't mean that God can't use those downturns, but our heart, this is just, the observation here is our heart follows our treasure. And so Jesus, He lays out that the most secure investment of resources is towards eternal things. That's people. People are eternal. People last forever. So when you, when you give and you're generous to people, when you help, when you share, that, that lasts forever. That's wise storing up. Putting resources, putting dollars into people, helping others in life, helping others with their goals, their interests. It's better, he says, this is better than FDIC insured stuff. It's the best kind of investment. It's got the best money back guarantee. Things that are eternal. Things that impact what will go on forever. Eternal things. Storing wealth in heaven is the only secure investment. So learning to become more generous ends up paying huge dividends forever. And, and honestly, there's all sorts of ways to be a generous person. There's all sorts of ways. You can, you can give and support Churches, you can give and support ministries, missionaries, uh, groups that are helping people. You can give to people that, that are in your life. If, you're, if you have resources, you can give to your children. You want to make sure that where you're giving is actually a good place to give it. <laughs> you want to make sure that the people that are handling it are responsible with it. But there's all sorts of places. You can support kingdom expanding efforts. The Christmas offering. So many people gave to that. It was exciting to see, but that, that has eternal implications. You, you can spend money on connecting with other people. The, meaning you can, you can have money set aside and available. So you, you, know, you see somebody, oh, I think they're new. I think they're new to our church. Hey, let's, let's grab, I want to grab lunch. I want to, I want to cover the cost of this. Or, or we're going to do this and, and we're going to set aside, uh, set aside money for, for for when scenarios come up, when problems come up in people's life. You might be in a small group and someone, they have a tire pop. And, and you, you know, they may have another problem. You might, have, you might, you have to wrestle. Well, they should have planned for the tire. You know, they didn't have any money, emergency fund. You know, they, you know, they'll learn. I gotta build my bigger barn. Or, and I'm not, that's, that's obviously not always the case. But sometimes, when, when tragedy strikes, when unexpected circumstances come up, God has given us extra in order to meet the need that's over here in this other situation. And oftentimes, if we choose, we can choose one or two, you know, we can choose a mentality of hoarding and storing or live an open-handed, generous lifestyle and be prepared to be used by God to be a help to people. You can put money aside Help with needs that show up. In reality, God interacts constantly with us through money. That's why there's 2,000 verses on money in the Bible. It's because He interacts with us constantly through money. He tests us through money. He provides for us through money. He blesses us through money. He sometimes disciplines us through money. He knows where to put resources to do the most good for eternal things. He knows people who will be faithful with it. 
He knows the track record of faithfulness and the track record of generosity. And for those who are faithful and generous, He pours more resources in in order to be a channel, that they would be a channel to care for people, to help people, to move things forward. And in some cases, if we're closed and tight-fisted with our resources and focused on just building our own kingdom, uh, the flow of money sometimes stops. Or the flow comes in and discipline sometimes is not too far away because there's a test. But God is constantly interacting with us through our money. And what's exciting to me, I think what's really encouraging to me as I've been kind of praying through this passage and thinking about our church is the encouragement of your growing generosity. There, there has been... This is something that is often commented on um, in this season with our Christmas offering and how much more beyond the goal that we set that came in. Just goes, it shows God is growing a generous congregation. Doesn't mean we can say, good job everybody. We can, we can kick it into what the guy said. Time to build a bigger barn and soul, you know, take it easy. Relax. Doesn't mean we choose that because we want to keep investing in what really matters, what goes on. But when you give to support eternal things and someone commits their lives to Jesus Christ, if they come to Christ, they will live forever in heaven. When you gave, if you gave the Christmas offering, again, if people come to know Jesus Christ through the women's home that we are supporting or, or through the missionaries that we're supporting or through the Opportunity Fund, if, if people come to know Jesus Christ, you invested in something that will last for eternity. You laid up treasures in heaven. And that will not rust be destroyed, eaten, it will not burn up. Because people last forever. And, and in our kids' zone right now, there's, there's kids in there learning about God. And as we give and as we support the work of, of ministry here, children come to know Jesus Christ through our kids' ministry, through our student ministry. And some of those kids will come to know Jesus Christ and there will be whole generations of, of Christ followers through some of those little ones. And if we just imagine the multiplying effects of laying up treasures in heaven, it's, it's an exciting thing to be part of. What a joy to know that there's lasting opportunity for our money and that it doesn't just have to be stuck here and now. Because one day, we will, one day we will appear before the Lord and our, our, our soul will be, uh, you know, our soul will live on, will appear you know, we'll have this own scenario just like we read about. Today, your, your soul is required of you. And we'll, we'll give an account of a bunch of things at that point. And this is one area. God, God interacts with us in how we use our resources. And so, I want, you to, I want to encourage you to consider how do we prepare now to meet God and have conversations with Him about our use of resources? How, how do we live with a preparation mentality with our money? here and now. I want to encourage you to evaluate some of these things. Evaluate your current level of generosity. Do you live with an open-handed life or a closed-fisted life? Think about the, the bigger barns issue. Ask God to show me a perspective on my money that may need to, to really shift. If there's a perspective, that's the second thing here. If there's a perspective that God is trying to get at. Ask Him to show what that is. If there's something that needs to, to be tweaked. If, if I'm thinking builder barn, bigger barn, bigger barn, bigger barn. Maybe that's what God is saying. Is reconsider some things. Reevaluate some things. The last thing here is to memorize Luke 12.15. That life does not consist in the, in the abundance of our possessions. 
I just encourage you to think about what what God what is it God that you want me to do in response to this morning. So let's pray together and we'll we'll wrap up here. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your God, your voice and how you speak to us, Lord. As we hear from you, God, you want us to be people who wrestle with your word till we understand it and then be ready to apply. And so, God, help us, Father, as we've been wrestling as individuals, Lord, just through this passage as Jesus has laid out some core principles, Lord. Help us to wrestle for ourselves, understand what you're saying to us, and then um, be people who would respond to you, God. Thank you for the work you've been doing to grow our generosity. Thank you for the many ways you've challenged us challenged us in this area this past year. And God, we praise You for the, for the ways that You have provided so generously. We thank You so much, God, for taking care of us. Lord, You care for us. You provide. You meet all of our needs, God. You've been so faithful, Lord, and so we thank You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.